every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start grow. Come on around back Arizona. It is. Saturday, 8 a.m., we are in the garden with Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice, and what a beautiful fall or spring we've had. You know, it, I, we've had a couple hot days, but for the most part, it's been a pretty mild, gradual spring. Only a couple. We had right there at Mother's Day, but, you know, leading up to last weekend, it got, but I think the reason it felt hot is it had been in the 70s, <laughs> and then it, boom, it hit us with both barrels, and then it backed off, and the last couple of days have been fabulous, and it's supposed to be in the uh, warm-up a little bit this weekend, and then right back in the 80s, middle of next week again. And When you wake up at 65 on the back patio, and the Palo Verdes are absolutely ablaze with color, and you smell the creosote and the summer lawns coming in, it's like, Yes, and the white wings are and the white wings are everywhere. Yes, oh, what a what a beautiful time to be in Arizona. And you know, I don't know what everybody. I know they, you know, they're kind of everywhere and mundane and ordinary and everything else. But have you the oleanders right now? Yes. Mm. Oh my heavens! I mean, you drive down some of these older, especially some of the older areas of Paradise Valley and North Phoenix and. And I always the, remember Hayden Road stands out in my mind as a, a line of oleanders. Yeah, there's some pretty good hedges of oleanders along Hayden, and uh, it just, man, it's just like, whoa. The sororo cactuses, gorgeous. man, they yeah, are blooming too. Sororos are loaded up pretty o- good. Ocotillas. Yep. I've, I started eating ocotilla fruit. I found out a couple of years ago it was edible, and I, I just started picking it. I got a couple of ocotillas in the yard. And, huh. You can make a make a salad dressing out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you and Yule Gibbons, you're yeah. right there. <laughs> if you'd like to join the conversation, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie, for you, there's a new auto attendant on there. You can just hit one, and it'll bypass the message and get straight into the studio. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three, and you can also email. Info at rosieonthehouse.com if you'd like to send a picture. You need a little help with plant or insect identification. You can do that. Uh, weeds. Uh, that if there's one thing that we have a lot of this this time as well is weeds. And uh, everyone's reportedly of a huge snake season. Spe- speaking of Hayden Road, uh, going down Hayden the other day, I was amazed how the city medians we're completely covered in weeds. I mean, completely covered in weeds. There, there's some uh, <laughs> some city areas in both Phoenix and Scottsdale that 64th Street, yes, uh, yes. south of Bell, and you know the they're three and four foot high, growing up in the cracks in the concrete. It's not even dirt or graveled landscape. It's a concrete sidewalk from Ooh. from curb to the fence. And the and the uh, weeds are three feet high up against the fences, and uh, yeah, there's there's some maintenance issues. <laughs> but yeah, if you have weeds or had weeds, and they're probably pretty dried up by about now, you you want to get rid of that stuff uh, before you have somebody flicking a cigarette out or doing something and causing you a little more grief than just the weeds. Uh, and unfortunately, if they're dried up, they've gone to seed. 
more than likely. So you need to make sure you, if you want to avoid all this mess next year, be get on, getting on the pre-emergent herbicide or weed control program through this summer and into the fall. Um, you know, that'll, that'll solve a lot of it because even if you uh, have, you know, now they're dead and they're dry, you still got to deal with them, knock them down with a weed eater, whatever, rake them up, clean them up. There's still a lot of work involved as opposed to just broadcasting or spraying some pre-emergent herbicides. Man, that it's a time saver. And generally speaking, those have to go on wet. So if it's a granule, you know, you've got to make sure you hose it in behind. How how long do you stand there and water it in? I mean, it, you're not trying to dissolve the entire granule, are you? Well, you need to get it, you know, into that layer of soil below. So, yeah, kind of. Um, it needs, a, I would, I tell people it needs the equivalent probably like of a half an inch or an inch rainfall. A good, a good, pretty good soaking. So it's different than your fertilizer, the granules that you'll notice there for a little while when you sprinkle them. Well, the fertilizer will stay active. The problem with pre-emergent is if they stay up and they get ultraviolet exposure and, and heat exposure, that you, your, your effectiveness is going to be reduced on those. So they need to get down into the soil uh, pretty quickly or, or you don't have the full effectiveness of the application. Um, where fertilizers will continue to, to break down and you don't need to get it all in there at one time but keep a supply on hand the, enough to cover your yard and as soon as that rain comes get out there in the rain if it's not lightning and and spread it out it'll it'll do the work if for you, you can time it with the rain that's great uh, if not you got to get it watered in for sure and would it be too late if i wait you know this long season uh it's been i can't remember last time it's rained and you said it everything has already gone to seed um if I wait for the next rain, is that going to be too late to keep what's unseed from sprouting? Well, or probably it... not, because what's what's gone to seed now are are an, you know annual weeds that are not going to come back up until next winter. What you're going to have coming now are the warm season stuff, you know, spurge, particularly, uh, and and some of the hot weather uh, weeds. That's what you're going to start controlling by applying pre-emergent now. So if you were only concerned about a resurgence of the weeds that you're getting rid of now that are dried up, you could wait until, you know, monsoon or at least even fall to, to put a pre-emergent down to control them. They're not going to come back till, you know, the, the timing and the season is right. That spurge is a, is a nasty... <laughs> they need well, to figure out some other use for that. If they could figure out a, a, a positive use for it, somebody would get rich quick. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, you know, and the hotter and more humid it gets, the better it likes it. And, uh, man, now's the time to get on top of it, be pre-emerging it, controlling what's there. The other thing I have seen uh, this spring out walking around uh, more than I can remember in a long, long time since I was a kid, are bullheads, puncture vine. There's a lot of that growing out. And boy, you don't want to let that, especially if you've got dogs or kids that are going to go around barefooted a little bit. They're, they're painful. <laughs> <laughs> and it is funny how they, there's a season for them. You know, the, Like you said, it's been a while since you've seen it this strong and how it just everything has those cycles that... Even the snake season. Uh, well, I'm sure it's just two, you know, two pretty wet winters and springs in a row in succession 
things just start building up. I mean, we, 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 we can put up with a few snakes if we can, and weeds if we can keep this winter moisture cycle going for a few years. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, to see Roosevelt, our, our, oh. our, our systems, oh. you know, I don't know about the Colorado river system, but the salt and verde is, it's full to the top. So that's good. That's good. That's good. We'll take, we'll take it every year. And I drove to Greer last Thursday and I mean roadside flowers and the green forest and the pastures and I mean every lake, every little crevice had running water. I mean it was just like it's like you're not even in Arizona. It was just beautiful. But unfortunately, COVID has closed to campfire the entire state. Yeah. And that's for fear that should they have a project fire where they'd have to put hundreds of guys mobilized. You can't put them in a tent. You can't put them in a mess hall, you know. So, unfortunately, you go camping and go because it's beautiful right now. But bring your propane stove. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some people who were down south last weekend. The people, it looked funny. They were, they were sitting in a ring like they were sitting around a campfire and they had a lantern sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, doing what they got to do. And they were, and, and by the way, I think they were probably six feet apart. They were social distanced out there but uh the woods are full of people i mean people are taking are. advantage of the camping so you know that that's good because a lot of people's summer trips and things i mean go i guess you can go to southern california and go to the beach but you can't sit on the beach <laughs> you can walk as long as you keep walking you're okay but so the so that we may have a lot of uh, staycation opportunities this summer and people and that plays right into guard i mean i think people there's there's been a big resurgence we saw this at night at uh at 9-11 and at the last, uh, the, the big great recession in 08 and 09, where people really flocked to gardening, edibles particularly. And uh, that's happened again. And, uh, uh, you know, so it, you know, people are enjoying their backyards and making their backyards a, uh, a nicer place to stay and your own little staycation and resort right there at your house, you know, and if, if you can't really go out to a restaurant and eat, you know, people have learned to cook again and (laughs) so, but you want to have a nice resort style back here, which the beauty of Arizona, you know, almost 365 days out of the year, we can, you know, even if it's in the evenings when it's, when it's hotter out, you can be enjoying your outdoor living space here. So take advantage of it. And in that resurgence of gardening, it's nothing can be more discouraging than, not having a successful garden and Robbie's from Mesa is called in and he's fighting uh, some critters that are after his garden. Robbie, how can we help? So can you hear me? Again. So the problem I have is I, I planted this garden and uh, it's kind of, I'm a first time gardener and the bugs, something is chewing it up. I, mean, I assume it's bugs. When I come out, tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, everything, everything is like chewed back to the, uh, to the, spines right the leaves are gone and i'm not sure what to do i've sprayed it with some uh, some dawn oil water spray that people talk about sometimes it helps help helping but i don't know what to do everything is just being wow you haven't seen the bugs themselves you don't you no. don't know if you're okay um are is there any evidence of bugs like droppings like little black yes Size of size of maybe pepper, coarse ground yep. pepper. Mm-hmm. That sounds like caterpillars, and they can wipe you out quick. Um, I don't see them anywhere though. They're hard to find. They are very well camouflaged. Um, 
you know, they're, they're, they're the color of the vine. Uh, but if you've got little black granular droppings around, that's what it is. And you can use a, a very safe product called Thuricide. T-H-U-R-I-C-I-D-E. You might also find it as B period, T period, BT for the, for the active ingredient, which is Bacillus thuringiensis. Uh, but it is a, uh, a killer that will only affect a caterpillar that's going through a metamorphic stage. So you can use it in your garden. It won't hurt any other beneficials or birds or pets or anything. And we will get to lawns in a little bit, but we actually have a special guest uh, joining us on the phone right now from the Garden Goddess. We were talking about the resurgence in gardening locally, and one of the benefits that uh, we don't take for granted is, is how beneficial fermenting food is, and what a you know we talk all the time about how. You can start a garden, and you can very easily outgrow what you're capable of consuming before it gets uh, eaten by something else out in the garden, or uh, or the heat destroys the it, heat. or the cold destroys it, or whatever. Sure. And a great thing to do for our food preservation is fermenting, and we've got Suzette on the line with us to talk about uh, locally what she's doing in fermenting. Good morning, ma'am. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Very good. Yes. Great to be on the show. You guys were talking about weeds earlier, and I actually use weeds in a couple of my ferments. Well, there's another good way to get rid of them then. I was, was going to say, it's Have spurge you tried spurge? Let us know if you come up with a recipe for spurge because it's easy to grow. <laughs> I don't know what spurge is. Oh, I bet you do. I'm sure I've seen it. Though. I bet you have. Yeah, a little, little low-growing yeah, Oh, the low-growing. Well, we use dill and... Um, dill and dandelion i've used dandelion greens and both of those weeds are very very nutritious for you and they're great for fermenters because they can the dandelion greens tends to be bitter and um, you can sneak it in through a ferment and get the benefits from it and so how what is the fermenting process well, fermentation has been around for centuries. It really uh, was the original form of preserving food. And, uh, you know, as we just remember, it wasn't that long ago that refrigerators and refrigeration was actually introduced into society, right? So um, fermentation really is the first form of uh, holding on to your food. And I really believe, I know for a fact that they realized early on that fermented foods were very beneficial to the gut and the microbiome. And um, I've been studying that the last 15, uh, 10 to 15 years, and I was learning about the microbiome about 10 years ago, and that really guided me into what, what I'm doing today. But with all the things that are going on, and, and it's so important for us to learn how to grow our own food and really learn how to ferment our own food. Um, and it's very simple process. Um, your vegetable or whatever you're going to ferment. We can ferment fruit, too, and make vinegar and wine um, and salt. A good quality salt and an airtight uh, condition is really all you need uh, to, make a, uh, to make a great 
fermented food that is rich in probiotics and excellent for your immune system. And what kind of product lines are y'all currently fermenting here locally? Well, we are Arizona's first fermented food company, and um, our our uh, company name is called Garden Goddess Ferments, F-E-R-M-E-N-T-S. So, or you can go to ggferments.com. And uh, we make four different flavors of sauerkraut and a fermented beet juice called beet kvass. And beets are big on the scene right now, right? Everybody's talking about the benefits of beets. And they're a beautiful color. They are loaded with all these uh, nutrients, and um, but they're high in sugar. We even make them to be a sugar uh, product. And so um, we all know how bad sugar is for us. And uh, beet sugar is beet sugar. When you ferment the beet and any other vegetable or fruit, you're really, uh, the bacteria is consuming that sugar out of it. And that what's, that's what makes it a power superfood is consuming that sugar. Beet kvass? Well, you sent us Beet kvass. <laughs> it's a fermented beet juice. You can find it on our website or you can go to pickupthebeet.com. But really two ounces a day and it has just been, the, uh, it's been around for about two centuries. Um, the Eastern Europeans called it a cure-all. And if you go to my website, you can find um, many different, a variety of benefits that people have achieved from drinking just one ounce a day. And it's from, you know, pulling radiation out of your blood from chemotherapy treatments to killing sugar cravings to clearing up acne to lowering blood pressure to reducing weight um, to increasing energy levels to dilating the blood vessels. I mean, beets are really, really are a superfood. And by fermenting them, um, it just makes it a more powerhouse. And could I take that two ounces and let's say dilute it in a 12 ounce of my milk in the morning just to d- d- camouflage it all? Sure. I mean, I wouldn't put it in milk. <laughs> Orange juice. <laughs> I'm just, I'm vodka? just trying to give a, uh, How about <laughs> vodka? <laughs> vodka is great. You know, um, People ask me what it tastes like, and it tastes like dirt. And you guys love dirt, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't be afraid of a little dirt. So dirt is actually very, very good for us. It's good for us to play in the dirt. It's good for us to build gardens um, and have our children in there and, and absorbing those microbes through our feet and through our hands. <laughs> GardenGoddessFerments.com. Arizona locally fermented foods. Yeah, yeah, loving that Saturday morning jive. Yeah, Gary's really got the good tunes going yeah. on today. It's fun back here in the in the call screening studio. Hey, if you just were listening to Suzette of the um, Garden Garden Goddess Ferments, she has a little promo for rosy listeners until monday you can order from her website you just go to www.pickupthebeat.com beat b-e-e-t beat.com takes you to her website and you get uh put rosy in the coupon code and you'll get 10 percent off uh and looking through her site um just really fresh good food we have some here to try in the studio too it's lovely I was not a sauerkraut fan for about the first 30 years of my life. But the older I get, the more I have a craving for sauerkraut. And this cowboy kraut that they have, mm-hmm. the, it's it's as good as any. It's I've called ever had. cowboy kraut? Yeah, but it's oh. spelled with a K. 
Cowboy kraut. <laughs> That's great. That's I got, good. I got power kraut. And very, very reasonable for what it is. So check it out. So Pick does, it, does it negate it if you put it on a hot dog? No, it even it says right here. A big white, a big white bun. <laughs> yeah. And a big old broth. <laughs> great with eggs on your sandwich and a burrito mixed with chicken, fish, beef, lamb, uh, brats and dogs, cheese plate. Drink the juice. It's super juice. <laughs> I don't think I've ever tried to give it a try. <laughs> John, you were talking a little bit earlier in the last segment about getting outside and the weeds, and uh, y'all had a conversation about the snakes and stuff. Let me just take a minute. Arizona Game and Fish, with everybody, you mentioned you'd been camping down in southern Arizona. I'd, I'd been over to eastern Arizona, and Jennifer and I took the horses and went riding up above Strawberry last week. There are more people in the forest right now than I can ever remember seeing, especially in the middle of the week. So Fishing Game came out with an announcement this week uh, that they urged the public to leave baby wildlife alone. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there hiking and covering ground right now, there's a very good chance you could come upon a fawn or a calf, uh, even baby rabbits, on Jennifer, did you get that picture posted on Facebook? Yes, it's up there. It was it was last year. We Jennifer and I were hiking near Sunrise Ski Resort out in the meadows, and one of my pointing dogs went on point. And John, he was a white spot. I mean, he was a half a mile away, and I thought, oh man, he's on a skunk, oh, you know, or a yeah. porcupine. Yeah. And so I kind of hustled over there, and uh, he was on a hard point for a brand new calf elk that was in the grass wow and i mean he didn't move so i pulled him off we walked away from it and as as we walked away a herd of about 40 elk just came down and moved in on that calf just swooped him up just a very important lesson so you can see the picture of my dog on point at rosie on the house facebook go and take a look at it and use that as an encouragement as soon as we realized what it was we backed out of the area, and uh, yeah, they're not lost or abandoned. They're no, they're not. They're hiding. They're they stay there. Mama goes off a little ways, and now while you're on back. Facebook, huh. while you're on Facebook, go look at it. While you're on Facebook, go ahead and cast a vote for Rosie on the House, being the number, and let us maintain our number one referral directory standing for twelve years in a row. I was going to say, when I was in Tennessee many years ago, I was uh, doing a little hike through the woods, and uh, I saw a bear cub about a quarter of a mile away. I got close. I got close. And someone stopped me and said, remember, if you see a baby bear cub, mama bear's pretty close around the corner. And sure enough, here comes this huge bear. And I went, okay, see you later, Gets. <laughs> turned yeah. the other, slowly turned around. So the same thing applies. You see a baby, mom or dad's pretty close by. Yes, they are. Do not pick them up and handle them and bring them to the car to nurse them back to health. Little PSA from Arizona Game and Fish. We had uh, Sandra text in and want to know, how do you support uh, local farmers and so that they don't have to, uh, you know, we talked about this article yesterday. There was dairy farms that, you know, you've got to continue milking the cow or it'll dry up. They're dumping 100,000 gallons down the drain a day just 
to keep their cows in production, but they've got nowhere to send their product. And she wanted to know, how do we support that local? Is or any sell direct? Well, the good thing is a lot of the food and the produce that we buy in our stores do come local. And the first Saturday of the month, we have the Farm Bureau in here, and we're always talking about and bring in a different local rancher or a farmer. And we mentioned those products. What was that salsa? Santa, Santa Cruz. Cruz. Did you have you had that mm-hmm. chili? That that mm-hmm. is. A mm-hmm. good, good green chili. And you can go to azfb.org and find, uh, or fillyourplate.org is uh, their website that you can put in products, find local farmers that make it. They've got farmers markets listed on there. And a lot of mm-hmm. farmers are doing uh, CSA, community service uh, <clears throat> agriculture. So community supported agriculture where you get a box of goods, whatever they have. So And, and you can, I think, find those on, and you can sign up, they'll, they'll, Take those to a, a pickup spot, or some of them will deliver to you. So you, there's a lot of ways that you can do that, and a lot of what's come to light too with the meat situation, with our uh, some of our meat processors being shut down and uh, having some issues, is to even go together with neighbors and and contact and do a direct buy on a on a beef or a you know half a beef or and have that processed and uh, and. Uh, and do that too. So I think you can find all of those resources uh, on the uh, Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau, website. and like you said, uh, a 4-H, and a lot mm-hmm. of those kids that have raised animals that would have been going to auction uh, are doing those digitally now. We've got some friends in Buckeye that just sold three pigs online right. to different groups of, of homeowners that got together and bought it just because uh, they didn't have their regular auction. Yeah. So there's ways there's ways to do it, but... Uh, uh, yeah, keep the big thing is keep keep cooking and eating it and eating lots of produce and eating healthy. You know that's that's probably the best way is uh, quit buying a lot of processed foods and eat good good food. Good and most of what's in your grocery store is going to be as locally uh, sourced as possible. It's anyway. not processed. It's not processed. Right. Yeah, fresh foods. Yeah. So, absolutely. Fillyourplate.org, and there you can get started with your list there. And today, uh, in our home maintenance calendar, we've talked about summer lawns and making sure we've got a good, healthy summer lawn coming. I mowed this week, and I noticed most of the clippings that were getting cut off were, were Bermuda. <laughs> yeah. So what you you know, if your winter lawn, you know, you you'd want to start cutting it down shorter. Don't increase the water, um, and then here. You know, about any time now, you can dethatch. That'll help. Uh, core aerify will help. Uh, but the big thing is getting that height taken down to where that sunlight and heat can get down to the roots and the and the stolons of those of that underlying Bermuda grass, so that it'll it'll have a chance to wake up and and start competing and choking out then the winter grass. Uh, so yeah, it's time. I mean, it's middle of May. You got to get. You got to get rid of that ryegrass now. So your lawn might look a little ugly. It's going to look ugly either way. Eventually, the ryegrass is going to die. If you wait too long, you know, in, into June or July, then the Bermuda grass will be dead underneath it too. Then you'll have nothing. This way, if you if you force it out, transition it out, you know, you have a couple of weeks of some brown spots, but the green will fill in pretty quickly. And that's if you're going to a summer lawn. I know you've said multiple times if you're trying to save water. Letting your summer lawn go is a great way, and just do your winter rye. 
and and you can do that. The only issue, just if that's in your front yard, you may have a visit by the local code enforcement people that that ask you to to you know cover it with me. And and you and I think you can get around it, but you'd have you'll have some explaining that you need to do. I'm a big advocate of that. I think I think it's silly to have a summer lawn when you're not going to be out there enjoying the lawn. Um, and it takes a whole lot more water to grow a summer lawn than it does a winter lawn. This, these last couple winters, I've hardly watered my winter lawn at all. And the winter lawn is so much more enjoyable to sit in. You know, that Bermuda, for a lot of people, can really be a very itchy, itchy grass. Well, that rye grass you know, is a real nice. And regardless of that, you're going to be out in your lawn when it's 75 or when it's 105. <laughs> you know, so uh, you're, you just have to use the lawn a lot more than than you would otherwise anyway. So... I don't know. You know, you can, you can keep it marginally green. It's you know, just enough to keep it from being dusty and dirty. If you've got dogs, then you probably have to keep, you know, some grass, or they'll be tracking in the, all the dead thatch and everything else, and then it'll get muddy. And you know, if kids need grass to play on, kids don't care how hot it is. They go outside and play, you know, in the in the grass. So, uh, but for a lot of us, it's it's really kind of a kind of a silly notion to have this great summer lawn because you know you're, you you probably have somebody come mow it and you kind of look at it and go ah looks pretty good out there okay <laughs> yeah save a little bit of that water for your winter lawn and uh, and enjoy that way it, it, a great route to go like you said if if you don't have kids or animals and looking to cut down on your water consumption what do they say 80 70 to 80 percent of our water yeah. use in homes is on the exterior of the home which doesn't necessarily all mean landscaping but a large part of right it's pools yeah washing your car right. <laughs> hosing off your sidewalk can i can i ask a question on transitioning so we, we were talking about transitioning lawns this weekend i'm gonna have to turn over a quarter of my garden the onions are done. The green onions sure. are done. The Vidalia yeah. onions are done. The lettuce is all but done. Uh, what what can I replace that quarter of the garden with this time of year? Good question. And there are there, there are some good choices. So eggplant, okra, being from where you're all from, you know, you probably want some okra. Oh yeah. Uh, those are the those are two biggies that that love the heat. You know, it just can't hardly get too hot for them. You could you could probably still sneak maybe some. Uh, squash or melons or cucumbers in there, but uh, but the first two things that always come to my mind when it's really hot are eggplant and okra that uh, that just loves the heat. All I see in front of me is green grass. That's money to me. I'm a lawn man. Yeah. I'm a lawn man. We got a text in at 411923 from a homeowner that has a 10-year-old ash tree that is crooked and wants to know how to straighten it out. <laughs> well, it, it if it's leaning, you can straighten it out. If the trunk has a crook in it, uh, that's just the way it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and sometimes as they get older and the trunk thickens, that will kind of disappear or get a lot more subtle in appearance. Um, but there's, there's no way that I know of that, that you can 
you know, if it's got a curve in the trunk and it's curved and it's straightened itself back out and the trunk is actually bent, that you can straighten it out. Now, if the trunk is leaning, then with, you know, multiple stakes or you can guy wire it, you know, by running, you know, uh, putting stakes into the ground like a tent stake in three places and running wires up to the main trunk and, you know, playing with tension and getting it to where the tree is straightened up. Uh, always make sure whether, however you do it, that you use some type of protective advice, protective device where the cable or the rope or the strap, however you're supporting the tree, makes contact with the trunk of the tree, that it's going through something, you know, that doesn't let it cut into the to the trunk, a little piece of rubber hose um, works works really well, or wide webbing material, something that spreads that up so you don't have a little s- small pressure point on the trunk of the tree that will cut into the tree or the tree will get girdled by that. Yeah, but that's the best way. Yeah, some, something that will allow the tree to move a little bit in between two stakes or in between guy wires coming up out of the ground to get a leaning tree straightened up. And sometimes if you wait too long on those, you can't straighten. I mean, they they lean and then they get anchored in a leaning position. Now, they will always eventually at the tip start going straight away from the gravitational pull of the earth. So it's an interesting experiment to do sometime. Take Take a plant and hang it upside down, and it will curve back away from the gravitational pull or, or towards light, something that, but it won't go, it won't grow straight down for very long. It'll curve back up. So a leaning tree will eventually lean and then it will start curving. And once they start that curving, you're not going to straighten that out either. So we appreciate you tuning in and the text, another homeowner wants to know, how can you grow rye and flood irrigation? I think they're, I don't think they're talking about. Well, growing, it's easy. <laughs> Getting it started is a little more difficult because you, you, uh, you have to time your irrigation with the seeding and hope that it stays moist enough. Most everybody that I know that has flood irrigation still uses some type of hose and sprinkler system in between the irrigations to get that seed germinated. Um, it, it's, it's pretty difficult in early October when it's still pretty warm to expect that seed to stay moist you know, for 10 or 13 or 14 days, whatever you're irrigation cycle is for the next one. But if you were going to do it, you'd, you'd want to, you know, irrigate, get the seed down while the soil is still moist or seed it first and, and figure out a way to kind of get the seed, you know, lightly raked into the soil so it didn't float away and then irrigate it and hope it stayed moist long enough to before the next irrigation comes. But I would recommend you know, just getting some old-fashioned sprinklers and some hoses uh, in between and, and moving it around and keeping it as moist as you can. When you're saying old-fashioned, just the ones that go back and forth? Well, I would get the ones fan. that covered as much ground as you could <laughs> yeah. so you didn't have to move the hose as, <laughs> as little as you have to. So the big old oscillators that will throw water 30 or 40 feet uh, uh, across and they just kind of move back and forth uh, are probably your best bet. And they're pretty reason they're not very expensive 
We appreciate the call. Those flood irrigation properties, though, they're awful nice. That, oh, I, yeah. I think if you yeah. ever lived on one of those, you would have a hard time moving off of it <laughs> or to a, a property that wasn't flood irrigated. Uh, especially as, as reasonable as the cost of the water is, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. So thanks for tuning in. We've got uh, final wrap-ups for our gardeners this month. Well, weeds and control weeds your and control your weeds. Uh, it's uh, we didn't mention fertilizing. You know, we're in that month, Memorial Day coming up, where it's time to be feeding uh, citrus. We think of mainly, but really all of your major ornamental and fruiting trees and shrubs in your yard should be fed again one more time before they allow them to go into the hot weather and and uh, uh, tolerate the summer and the and the extreme heat that we do get that's stressful to plant. So good fertilization. Uh, coming up, make sure you're at checking your water systems now before it's so hot and you end up with, you know, dead or damaged plants. You know, so go out there and turn your sprinklers on, run them. I noticed a lot of, if any, I have any neighbors listening, a lot of water in the gutters this morning from somebody's sprinkler. So <laughs> make sure they're going the right way and putting water where you want it. And like you said, uh, checking it now once you start noticing a tree starting to to suffer it's a lot harder to bring them back then and it's already hotter so it's even harder to get out there and work on it that's right get your water checked now jay harper farm's choice thanks for spending your saturday morning with us have a good weekend